When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So he's back. He was thousands of miles away. He was missed by his partner in crime more than you'll ever know. But now it's it's a pair reunited. Life can go on. Life can continue. Ladies and gentlemen, Fanny is back at Montreal. Yes. (laughs) Fanny and Bush reunited. (laughs) Reunited. And it feels so good. Oh, also, Henry, Henry's <laughs> back. Hi, mate. Yeah, all right. Let's do it. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment, and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Henry Hewitt is back from the States. Oh, it's such a good time. I can't wait to tell you all about it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna go straight into holiday straight away because I'm seeing you right now for the first time. And yep. I want to know all about it. Uh, also some other stuff coming up. This is the MLS UK show. Welcome along. We are back. My name is Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Here's what we've got for you on the latest edition of the MLS UK show today. Are we ready? We need a massive catch-up because so much has gone on whilst Henry's been away. We'll take a look at the playoff picture. Yes, so we've got another round of the Jason Crisis, right? Yes, I've got a I've got a player that I can't believe we've never used before as well on the game with the changing name. And I'll be chatting to Tom Scholes, author of a book called Stateside Soccer. Loads of other bits as well. Welcome along. Join us on the ride that is the MLS UK show. Let's get started. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. I'm so excited that you're back. Not because I've missed you. Wow. I've missed you a little bit. But 
uh, just because I always go on holiday to America and you've never been and I just want to know everything like how did you get on how was it were you excited I've got so many questions yeah well it's been the elephant in the room a bit hasn't it but I've been doing an MLS podcast and never been to uh, <laughs> the States or Canada I've been to Atlanta airport on a connecting flight but that's about <laughs> it uh, but now I've I've touched uh, US soil and my girlfriend Poppy who of course does the kit reviews uh, by the way can I just say while uh, we had our downtime mm. we got a message you you must have seen yeah. it from somebody has um, has listened to every single episode back which I mean fair play credit to you that must have been an, a huge effort also they listened to the first episode and wanted to carry on <laughs> what? Uh, but they've they pointed out we said you know what I liked the most the kit reviews <laughs> I'm like so we've done 50 odd episodes now and the what four episodes that my girlfriend's in reviewing kits is the best thing about it so with um all the preparation and the editing and uploading and doing the <laughs> website and stuff you're looking at like over 100 hours of our life that we've yeah. poured into this plus all the time watching every single game as well and she just rocks up does a few kit reviews goes oh i like the color of that one and that's the best bit unbelievable but um <laughs> when we got to orlando airport she actually stopped me and said you know you need to say something and i couldn't think of anything so i just said one small step for henry one giant leap for henry kind um you know what i must say orlando is and florida as a state because we went to naples as yeah, well yeah. um it's a, such a beautiful place and we drove through tampa and st petersburg and yeah i loved it it was great you hear that atl you hear that well, I'm sure Georgia's nice. When I go and visit Georgia, you know, that's that's next on the bucket list. But um, yeah. I want to be in Georgia soon. She looks nice. <laughs> you see why I waited? I'll give you that <laughs> gap just to give that joke. Um, so we, uh, as you, if you follow me on social media, you would have seen we went to Universal Studios the first week, which, of course, is a massive fan of The Simpsons. I loved. I've got my Simpsons lanyard today. I mean, Universal's great. I'm sure lots of people have been. And then we, uh, the Saturday, we left Universal and went into the centre of Orlando, stayed there, went to the match. And I've got to say... Brace yourselves, guys. Brace yourselves. Right. I'm just going to put my microphone down. I'm sitting over here for this one. Go on. Proceed. I've got to say, the hotel was quite nice. (laughs) No, we... um, in the last podcast, I actually listened back to the last podcast and we said, oh, we're going to do one before I go. We never did because we were too busy, but um, we put some stuff out on social media and the amount of people that got in touch with just things to do, saying, oh, we want to meet you and, and everything. It was very humbling. But unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet anyone that messaged because we got a, a message in from uh, Gabe, who works for Orlando City. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, you know, get in, t- get in touch when you're here. I'd love to show you around the stadium and, um, you know, make it an experience you can remember. Um, so we went, we got there and to the stadium got there about two hours before kickoff. And I must admit, I went with my girlfriend and her parents and they were like, they, they don't really like football. My girlfriend comes and watches Bolton with me every now and again so you can understand why <laughs> she doesn't like football. Yeah. Uh, but one of her things is that at Bolton, obviously, English football you only really have the option of eating a pie or a burger or you know just basic food so um when we got there and there's loads of stalls outside the stadium you've got the they're giving away holidays poppy's mum and dad won a a free night getaway (laughs) (laughs) 
I got a, uh, I got an Orlando City towel. <laughs> they wouldn't trade with me. Um, but uh, but everything that goes on, and this was a this I weren't expecting all this, and I, I went with a clear mind. And you've got the what MLS do outside the ground to bring it into yeah. people who who don't necessarily uh, watch soccer all the time. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, See, and- that's what gripped me the first time I went because I I had that. I was brainwashed as everyone is in the UK by all oh, MLS is rubbish yeah. blah, blah. and I just went purely just to go that was it I just went just to go and then you can probably get now why I immediately just became a fan yeah like uh, if you didn't have a team if you'd never experienced MLS before you'd be like wow I'm supporting New England Revolution <laughs> um, so uh, then because I'd done my research on everything we then walked to um, where they start the the march to the mm. ground, so we walked past the ground to then come back, and and that was that. That they don't do. I know Norwich have tried doing it, but Bolton don't do that. Mm. You know, it's not a thing in England. So to go with, uh, I had the purple shirt on. I lost the bet. I had the purple shirt on. It looked you, very nice, dear. Yeah, if you've not seen, we I did a little video diary. It's on our social media. If you want to have a look, and I am wearing a purple shirt. Uh, although I did wear a white shirt over my mouth. You, I had to disguise myself somehow. <laughs> but that's it was great. And then we met up with Gabe. He showed us around the offices and, and the stadium and he told us some really cool stuff about, um, you know, did you know the, the fact about, do you know the church next to the stadium? Mm-hmm. That the, the church wouldn't sell it, like they wouldn't leak it. Yeah, yeah. So it's just there. So it's just there. But yeah. they wanted to build a bigger stadium like across where the church is. Yeah. They can't. So they've got to, so they can't really build upon it they can't improve it because of this church yeah. it's, so uh, it's a weird like, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully it's like it's a strange I think it's fair to say it's a strange area to put a stadium but you know they had people who were in such a rundown area who were struggling in life helping out with building the stadium Every, you know it gave people jobs it gave mm. people a purpose it gave that whole area a, a bit of a, a purpose and that like it, it is a bit of a strange area to, to just dump a stadium but I actually think it's done an amazing job like in the community there yeah exactly and um, so I really appreciate Gabe showing us around you know and getting in touch and, and that's big why then I couldn't then meet up with people that had said we would love to meet you because too busy having the VIP tour <laughs> yeah la dee da VIP coming through you know what as a, an Atlanta fan and uh, but mainly an MLS fan the hospitality that we got even just showing us around we then went and sat in our seats, which were, if you know Orlando Stadium, it's sort of in the corner next to the wall. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know there was no roof on that bit. So when it rained, yeah. we got soaked. It's normally away fans up there, but there wasn't too many Revolution fans in, was there? No. So we saw one or two, but obviously it's a long a long way to go. But um, yeah, what an experience. And I would say that if you're listening to this as a fan in the UK who... You do, maybe you don't have a team or maybe you just enjoy MLS. If you get a chance to go out to the States, I know it's easier said than done, mm. but if you have a chance to go to a match, I would strongly recommend it because the crowd were great. And what I will say is that Poppy and her mum and dad, as I said, they don't really like football, but they really enjoyed the experience. Yeah. They got into it. Uh, I mean, Poppy was just excited because she, she got to eat nachos, <laughs> actually have something to eat at a soccer game. Um, yeah, it was a great experience and I'm, I'm so happy it was a great game as well. That nanny goal you witnessed. Oh, wow. Yeah, because uh, first half, you know, 
Orlando were poor. The nanny got the goal. Mm. It was three three. In case you forgot, but three one at half time to Revolution. They played. They played all right. Revolution. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they played amazing. I just think Orlando were poor. But yeah, that so, Pania goal was incredible. Yeah, but then second half they came out Orlando, and it was all one way traffic, and there was going to only be one winner, and um, it was a great game. So great experience. It was nice being an Orlando. Not a fan. Adopted fan. Uh, I guess, we, we were going to say something, I guess it's an adopted fan. They were good to you, they accepted you they in. They did. Atlanta lost as well, so <laughs> I kept quiet. Um, but uh, yeah, what an experience and uh, what a beautiful place Florida is. Like We went to Naples for the second week and mm. that's that's gorgeous if you get to go to the beach. We saw dolphins and then did the Everglades, did all the touristy stuff. So yeah, it was great. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. Right, enough about your posh holidays. <laughs> Back to it. Game with a change in name. We haven't forgotten. Uh, I've got one for you. Go on. I don't. I can't believe we've never done it before. Uh, is it David Beckham? Oh. No, it's not David <sighs> Beckham. Uh, so, if you haven't heard this before, the game with the change in name is uh, us giving you the career path of a uh, player who has played in the UK and moved over to MLS, okay? So your clues for today, I've done it a little bit differently because it's it's quite easy, but I think I've managed to sort of toughen it up a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so this player started their career at Auxerre in France Okay. in 2004. And they were there until 2007 when they moved to the Premier League. And they played in the Premier League for 10 years for two different clubs. Right. The first club was uh, for seven years, and the second club was for three years. Adds up. Then they moved to MLS in 2018. Now, they were at two massive teams in the UK, but he never won a Premier League title. Right. He won an FA Cup and a League Cup, and it's a defender. Right, okay. That would initially tell me that would Arsenal have been one of them teams? Yes. Tottenham be another one? No. No. We'll leave it there. If right. you think you've got it, tweet us at MLS UK Show. I think it, you, when I tell you who it is, you, you'll agree. I can't just tell you the teams. I can't tell you the MLS teams. It'll be too easy as well because right. I don't think they have any other ML, uh, English, you know, former England players. So um, the guy's French, played in the Premier League. Uh, for 10 years and moved to MLS in 2018. He won the FA Cup and the League Cup. Is he still in MLS now? Yes. Right, okay. If you think you know, tweet us at MLS UK Show. Who is it? Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. So while you've been away, it's been like, what, three or four weeks since the last podcast. So yeah. a lot's gone down in MLS, to be fair. Um, and so instead of running through everything, I think we'll just do a snapshot of where we're at uh, in the West and in the East because uh, things are hotting up. Most teams only have two games remaining. Mm-hmm. Some teams uh, are playing tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 25th. So there's some games tonight into Thursday morning. By the way, Philadelphia and San Jose kicking off tonight at 4 a.m. UK time. 4 a.m. What? At San Jose? Yeah. Ridiculous. 
It's you know, having been to the US quite recently. <laughs> Shut uh, up. The times that is can just confirm how it the works. times are different. <laughs> um, so in the West, <laughs> where it's eight hours different to the UK, by the way, <laughs> uh, LAFC have won the title um, as they did in April. Um, so the it's kind of what's hotting up there is the top four. Mm. So if you look at the West, two points separate Seattle, Minnesota, and LA. So they're all going for that second, third, and fourth um, spot. And RSL are also in the race for top four. Now, obviously, the top four will get you uh, finishing the top four. You get that very important home um, game in the in your first playoff match. Um, in the West, the top seven, obviously, the top seven make the playoffs. Uh, one of Dallas, San Jose, and Portland will miss out. Yes, um, we need to point out Colorado. As as it stands, Colorado, Houston, and SKC are not. Eliminated, however, SKC, yeah, being seven points behind San Jose, it ain't going to happen. So we're ruling them out. I think realistically, that final spot in the West, you're looking at Dallas, San Jose, Portland. One of them's going to miss out. Yeah, um, can I, I need to say as well that uh, LAFC they can win the Supporters Shield if results go for them mm. tonight, can't they? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but LAFC, we we they they sorted themselves out ages ago. Looking at how it stands, um, go on then. We, we've been doing this on the podcast last few weeks where we've, uh, we're, well, last few episodes rather than weeks, where we eliminate uh, a team each week who mm. we think is not going to get into the playoffs. We're up to our fourth one, and to be honest, we might as well both eliminate the bottom four there. Yeah. <laughs> Which we'd have eliminated three of them each anyway. So well, let's make it interesting. Like we're we're saying that in the West, if you look at the West, Dallas, San Jose, and Portland, one of them's not going to make it. I think we just pick which one. Um, right. Looking at the games played, Dallas have got two left. San Jose and Portland both have three left. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so tough because Portland. You'd I, I'm going to put Portland in there because see Portland are at home to New England Revolution tonight. Yeah. That's a massive game in the East as well as the West. It we'll is. We'll get onto the East in a bit. So, do Portland win that? Because if they do, they're they're in for a massive shout. Portland are, I think, are a bit strange this season because on paper you'd say yes, Portland mm. will win that. But I think Portland's home form is is not been. I know they've won seven, uh, but they've lost five there. That's not really what we expect from Portland no. in the last few years. So that that isn't a, a clear cut result. However, I do think Portland will will win that and then jump back into the playoff uh, seven. I'm gonna have to, you know what? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say San Jose miss out. I don't know. I think they've had a good, a very good period a few weeks ago, but it's so tough to call because San Jose. I'm not saying they're not gonna. They could win their next two games, three games. And but I think if, I'm right in saying I agree with you. I think I'm right in saying that they miss two players tonight through suspension and the coach as well. Yes, so that could that will affect them. So I'm going to go San Jose not to uh, you know to be eliminated. However, if that does happen, San Jose, it's a great building season for them. Mm. We were expecting them to be bottom, yeah, so hundred yeah. percent. It's not you know if they finished eighth, it's disappointing, but it's it's not it's not a bad season for them. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go San Jose just because of that reason with the suspensions and Almeida not available to coach. Um, again. I, th- I think that you know that that's the sort of thing that will define a season when it's this close. Th- that's the sort of thing it can come down to. But this is MLS, and this is why we love it. Anything can happen. Um, in the East, New York City lead 
by four points at the top. Now, this is why NYCFC and Atlanta tonight is a huge, huge game. It's massive. Tinner home not available for New York City. Joseph Martinez injured for Atlanta. It's going to be big. Barco's still Barco's back in training, but he's not going to play tonight. This is a massive game for both these sides in the race for the title in the East. Yeah, if NYC win, uh, they'll definitely be at least uh, six points ahead of Philadelphia. Yeah. Two games left. I, I can see them getting another point at least in them two games. So for me, NYC, if, if they avoid defeat tonight, I think they'll be fine. Um, yeah, the Atlanta thing with Joseph Martinez does worry me because he scored a lot of their goals this season. Um, I think, and yeah, I think NYC will be fine. I think they'll win the uh, the conference, um, which is a credit to the the manager. And and we, this could have been a, easily a very like a transition season for yeah. them. They could have been down where. I don't know where Montreal and Chicago are, but no, they've played really well. They've kind of gone under the radar a bit mm. and with Atlanta doing their thing and Philly and DC. So uh, credit to New York City. I think they, I don't think they'll lose tonight and I think they'll be fine. I think they'll finish first. When we look at the race for that top four again, that, that home playoff game, that first game, uh, for me, Atlanta and Philly are, are, are sorted. They're finishing in that top four. So you've got to look. It's either DC, Red Bulls or Toronto that take that fourth spot. This weekend, DC Red Bulls. That's it's massive. That's massive, and that's gonna. I don't know whether it will decide it because if Red Bulls win, they're still only two ahead. But Red Bulls' form of last few weeks has been very good. They could be that team that are on a bit of a, a roll going into the playoffs mm. and cause a bit of a surprise. Um, have DC fully recovered after the the Rooney stuff a few weeks ago? It's the, for me, it's the Acosta stuff. Like, there's clearly something's gone on. He's not starting games and. <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you've got a Costa at your disposal and you're not using him when it's hotting up and you've got massive games like this, I I think you just have to do it. I think you say, right, well, he's not going to be here next year, but do you know what? We're paying him money, and while he's while he's here, he's going to do do his job. I think you I think you have to use him. I'd agree, but you know we're we're not Ben Olsen. We don't know what's going on, and and sometimes in soccer we see that people's. Uh, stubbornness and their, um, you know, rules their head over picking mm. some people. You don't know. Acosta may have walked out and he may have said, I'm not playing anyway. But in two years, when you look back and you're like, oh, they didn't make the playoffs that year, you forget about the Acosta thing. It's tough, but I think this weekend's game will say a lot because if DC can get a result this weekend, that I think that'll completely mm. turn it around going into the last few games. Um, there's no small games anymore. From now to the MLS Cup final, there's no small games because all these teams that are in contention are not just fighting. If they're in the top seven, they're fighting to be in the top four. If they're mm. in the top four, they're fighting to stay in it or potentially still win the league. Um, but th- saying that, Toronto, I'd say Red Bulls farm's been, been good. Mm, Toronto, right? Toronto's a, a flying at the moment. They got a great win against Montreal. They got a, 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 a excellent point against LAFC. I know LAFC have, have sort of took the foot off the gas a bit the last few weeks, but it's a great point. So Toronto could finish in the top four. And do you know where they've done well? Rotation. They rotated for the Canadian Championship final first leg. They then used... A, almost a different squad at the weekend you know still picking up results they've got that 1-0 deficit to, to turn over tonight in the in the championship final but I think playoffs will be more important to them I'll be honest with you um, when you look at the top seven Revs Chicago or Montreal only one of them is going to make it 
I'm going for New England Revolution. They'll have enough. I don't see them dropping. With two games left for Chicago, and I know Revolution are playing tonight as well, so if they get anything tonight, they can clinch it yeah. at the weekend. I think Revs, are, even if they limp across the line, I don't think the others are, are really in contention anymore. No. Um, has the seven spot killed it a little bit for you? The, um, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why I asked because I, I, I just taken a look at this right. So, if you think about it, until last weekend, it was between New England Revolution, their last three games lost, drawn, drawn, Chicago, last three games tie, win, tie, Montreal, loss, 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 Orlando, tie, tie, loss. No one wants it. None of these teams are good enough to make it. That seventh spot has kind of killed it for me because. Whoever gets it is not in any form that deserves it. Interestingly, on that model that I've just done, the West is worse. So yeah. the, uh, we said it was between Dallas, San Jose and Portland, right? Yeah. So their last three games, none of them have won. <laughs> There's uh, Dallas, loss, draw, draw. San Jose, loss, loss, loss. Portland, loss, loss, draw. I think we've... And I said that we texted each other the other day about, uh, about this, actually, and I said to you that... In Major League Soccer, it, whereas when you've got a league system like the Premier League, for example, that the points are at the start of a season are as important as points at the end of a season. Mm. Whereas in MLS, it's the, the some teams they, you get the feeling they all just want to finish in the top seven. Yeah, like Zlatan said basically that he said just get in the playoffs and then we'll, I'll start playing. Um, <laughs> so I think there's a lot of teams that just. It's as if they they're like oh they just sat there lazily going oh yeah we'll do it when it's important and mm. then so it wouldn't surprise me if those teams you've just mentioned who have lost the last three games or are not winning three games suddenly get two wins in the next two weeks just to get them over the line you only want to do it when it's important I know if you win you win your conference you obviously get your your silverware do you think there needs to be a bigger incentive because. Teams who are kind of just just there. Philadelphia right now, for example, right? Un- it's unlikely they're going to win the East. Yeah. They're definitely in the playoffs. So should there be something for them in these last few games that they should really have been striving for, like a real reason to go and finish, you know, second, first? I don't know. You could then bring in the Champions League places. I know they're there for US Open Cup winners and... And the Canadian Championship winners, and and you know the, the maybe I don't know. You could put one for second instead of winning the mm. cup. I don't know. I don't know. That that's just me thinking of ways to make it interesting. But it, I guess it depends the mentality of the club. I'm I'm not saying Philadelphia don't have a winning mentality, but surely as a if I was a manager of a team, you yeah you've got to look at player retention and make sure they don't get injured. But you'd still want to go into the playoffs with some confidence. Mm. Red Bulls beating Philadelphia at the weekend. If Red Bulls meet Philadelphia in the playoffs, I know it'll be at Philadelphia, but still, they'll be they'll be thinking, well, we beat you guys a few weeks ago. We can do it again. Yeah. don't know. MLS can confuse us and astound us <laughs> at the same time. It does sort of seem like sometimes there's, there's sort of a lack of motivation when it's all said and done with a few games to go. Right, before we look forward, instead of uh, recapping, uh, we need to have a look at our unofficial MLS UK show champion. If you've listened to the last few episodes, you'd know that starting at the start of his season with Atlanta, who won the MLS Cup last year, uh, we had a winner stays on kind of, um, I don't know, if you're a boxing heavyweight champion, where you put your title on the line every game you play. Of course, Atlanta lost it on the first game of the season to DC. 
and then we followed it from there on. So last episode, episode 19, we left it with LA Galaxy, who had just won the uh, championship. They'd beaten FC Dallas, and that was the first time they'd held it this season. So, are we ready to... Uh, there's a lot. It's changed hands a few times. Since I bet it has. Go on, go um, for it. Uh, so, LA Galaxy kept it for three games. He had a few draws. He drew against LAFC, one of them. And if you draw, you retain the title. They then lost it in that game against Seattle, the 4-3 mm-hmm. one. They didn't keep it for very long because they lost to Colorado Rapids, if you remember, 2-0. Colorado Rapids were our champions. I yes. Love this. So, they were champions. And I got excited about this because, as we pointed out, it could be a team that ends the season out unofficial champions who haven't made the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So they'll keep it and go into next season as the champions. But it won't be Colorado Rapids. Uh, Toronto FC beat them 3-2. And then Toronto drew against LAFC. So our current unofficial MLS UK show champions are Toronto FC. Who look like they're going to be in the playoffs. So the belt could go all the way to the uh, MLS Cup final, potentially. Yes, uh, which would make a lot of sense. If we get new people listening to the podcast at the start of next season, it would make a lot more sense <laughs> if the champions are the unofficial champions as well. I don't know. Say Atlanta get to that final, right, and you've got Parkhurst playing his last ever game in his career, and he's going for that elusive MLS second MLS Cup with Atlanta. Yeah. I just think he'll be thinking about the belt, the MLS UK show belt. That's all he's going to care about. I know. And uh, unfortunately, when he wins, we haven't had one made, so he won't be able to <laughs> put it around his waist. Uh, yeah, Toronto FC are our champions, our unofficial champions as it stands. So uh, let's uh, see if they can keep it the next two games and take it into the playoffs. Who knows? We could get to the final. I was watching the old uh, MLS Cup final the other day. Did you know the Toronto-Columbus one from a few years ago? So good. Um, and speaking of Columbus, this new stadium. Right, I, I need to talk to you about this mm-hmm. because I feel like there's been a differing opinion between us. So yesterday, uh, Columbus crew called all the press and all their important people to unveil the renderings of their brand new downtown stadium. So they saved the crew and now they're getting their own soccer-specific stadium. Now, uh, posted the pictures. You can see them on our Twitter at MLS UK Show. Uh, as soon as they broke, I posted them on there for you to see. Um, <laughs> interestingly, the uh, Columbus themselves obviously posted some pictures. MLS posted some. Eloy Room, the Columbus goalkeeper, decided to retweet ours instead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eloy. So this stadium, right? I'll talk to you about uh, the the sole. Most important thing, we've touched on it already from, from you going to watch Orlando, the fan experience. That's, yeah. that's key to, to any of these new stadiums. So they reckon they're going for a, um, a unique fan experience, which is great. It's got a 360-degree open concourse. There's a beer garden. It's the first beer garden in MLS. Okay, that's good. That's nice. Uh, there's a brew hall like Minnesota have got, which is open uh, on non-match days as well, non-event days. Um the north side is going to house the um, supporters section, 3,400 safe standing spaces. It's nice and close to the pitch. It looks good. Like, I'm, I'm, on yeah. board. I'm on board with that, obviously, similar to Orlando and LAFC. There's an outdoor plaza, which looks really cool. You can see that on the pictures, actually, if you um, check out our Twitter page. Now, the thing I'm not sure on, it's got what they call a wraparound roof, and it, it covers... Everyone. So their big selling point on this is that if you're in the front row, you're fine. You're dry. You're at the back. You're fine. Anywhere in the stadium, you you're covered. Yeah. Right. It goes all the way to the pitch. So even photographers around the sides, 
um, potentially subs warming up, like keeping dry. Yeah. A, one little bit of rain they don't play anyway. So <laughs> pointless. Oh, we do. We do in MLS. <laughs> well, yeah. You, I know that. You sat through. I'm surprised there was no thunder that night, by the way. Like, that's so, it would have been so common for that to, game to have been delayed. <laughs> you made it happen, Henry. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, but this wraparound roof that keeps the noise in and it's going to be really, you know, really loud or whatever. If you look at the aerial shot, yeah, I'm all. I feel a stupid saying because I'm all for these soccer Pacific stadiums, the new stadiums being built. Um, even Atlanta, we've talked at length about this. Like that stadium's amazing, and I want to go so badly. Yeah. I want to go and see it. It's not theirs, right? I think it's crucial for Columbus. Atlanta are going to stick around because they're successful. It's massive for Columbus that they get their own stadium. It's the club's commitment to the fans who saved the club. It's yeah. their way of showing we're, we're not going anywhere. It just doesn't look very nice. I don't like the roof. Do you not? No. I like it. I think it... I, I it looks mean, boring. Yeah, but... The, I, look at the Bank of California. Look at Exploria. Look, I mean, Mercedes-Benz, yeah, it, it's an NFL yeah. stadium. It's ridiculously massive and it looks amazing and the roof's incredible. Minnesota, DC, I don't know, it's just not as... It's not as exciting. It just looks boring, man. Um, I think they've gone more for the what's inside yeah. it rather than the design. It does look good inside. Um, we saw in England, didn't we? There was a period. I think it was in the mid like two thousands where uh, it seemed like the it's the same stadiums were being built, like yeah. Leicester, Southampton, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cardiff, until they added Bolton. A, an extra. Uh, but Bolton's have got its own design. Um, right, I nicked it from Huddersfield. But, uh, you know, the, the similar sort of stadiums came up. And I think what I've liked about MLS so far is that it's it's not been like that. Each mm. have their own quirkiness about them. I'm so glad it's there. I'm so yeah. glad that it's happening. I, I don't know. I feel bad. Like, And, you know, Columbus fans will be listening. This is like, it's incredible for them because look where they were this time last year. Like, it, it's amazing that this has happened. I just, I don't know. I just, it just looks a bit dark and a bit plain and a bit boring. And let's wait to that first game because I mean Minnesota's have got a good design, but yeah. we we looked at that and thought, mm, well, it's Minnesota, but they've they've yeah you they've know, made it their own. It so good. I think Columbus will do the same. I think it looks Columbus fans. I think it looks nice. I love the features of it, and I can't wait to see the crew play there. At least they're saved. At least they're still here. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. Right, now uh, you're going to chat to uh, Tom Scholes very, very soon about his book on the history of US soccer, which is cool. Um, I want to have a little bit of a game with you before that. Is it our favourite game that we've been playing the last few episodes and has a catchy theme tune? Uh, Yes, and is named after former uh, RSL striker, New York City coach, Orlando City coach, and now US men's national team youth coach, Jason Christ. It's the Jason Crisis Right. Yes, Henry Hewitt, come on down. So, having just spoken about Columbus and their new stadium, I think it's only right that when we uh, play the Crisis Right today, we go on attendances. Okay, right. This is going to be uh, tough, I think, because MLS don't really publish attendances. They tell you how many tickets they sold rather than uh, how many people are actually there. Yeah, So well, you see a game that's been like rain-delayed for two hours, everyone's gone home, there's like 25 people behind the goal, and it's like, uh, official attendance is 17,000, and you're like, uh, mate, no. <laughs> yeah, I think Arsenal will do the same thing as well. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with uh, the team you went to see last week, Orlando City. 
because they're nice and in the middle. It's 22.7 thousand attendance. That's their average? Yeah. Okay. So, higher or lower on the Christ is Right, LAFC. Oh, you see, LAFC tend to fill their ground, but I don't know what the attendance is. I'm going to say more, though. I think they're probably similar size stadiums. Yeah, I would have gone more, but it's less. 22.2 thousand. Oh, that's, 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 yeah, what, 500, is it? So, 22.2 thousand for LAFC. Higher or lower, Minnesota United. Lower. I think Minnesota is about 20,000. Bang on, it's 19.7 thousand. Uh, LA Galaxy, higher or lower than Minnesota's 19.7 thousand? Um, I'm going to go higher. It is 23. Higher or lower? <laughs> Keep a straight face for this one. Higher or lower than LA Galaxy's 23,000? And we shouldn't laugh because it's all going to change. Hopefully. Chicago Fire. Lower. Yeah, it's half. 12,000. <laughs> higher or lower than Chicago's 12,000? Philadelphia Union. Uh, oh, that's got to be higher. It is 17,000. Yeah. Higher or lower than Philadelphia Union, Columbus Crew, at Matt Frey Stadium? Oh, lower. 14.4. Yeah. Hopefully that'll change in a new stadium. But is Audi Field higher or lower than Matt Frey Stadium for DC United? I would say that's probably, I'm looking, I think that'll be 18, 19 maybe. So I'm going to go higher. 17.6, ah. it's higher. You're very good at this game. Well, you know, I've been to an MLS ground now. I know what to look for. Higher or lower than DC at 17.6? Portland Timbers. What do you reckon? I think uh, I think Portland would be about fourth or fifth, so I'm going to go higher. 25.2? Yes, thought so. Well, I've done, I'm all right at this game. You I do are? Well. Very, very good. Uh, join us again for another round of the Jason Crisis Right next time. Right, so at the weekend, I uh, caught up with author Tom Scholes, who's wrote a book called Stateside Soccer, which is the definitive history of soccer in the United States. Um, here's what happened. The MLS UK Show. Stateside Soccer, it's a definitive history of soccer in the US, uh, USA. First question, because obviously you are English, why write the book? I just finished uni and it was the best summer in the world because... England had got to the semi-final of the World Cup and Kieran Trippier was uh, 90 minutes away from being knighted. So it was one of them times where oh, you're you enjoying it, but you're not quite sure what's going to happen afterwards. But another part of that for me was not only was uh, England doing well, kind of confusing everybody at the World Cup, I just finished at university at UCFB Wembley. So it was kind of like every, every student has that crossroads moment of when they finish or what are they going to do next? Are they going to take time off to travel? Are they going to go straight into a job? Are they going to... You know, are they going to move to where their where their uni was, or are they going to move back home, or everything like that? My idea and my first thought was, I want to do something different. I want to create something, and then it then became the process of what am I going to write it on? Yeah, I want to write a book, but you've got to have a topic to write about, obviously. So I kind of like start to scan things that I'm interested in and that haven't necessarily been covered in a in a broad perspective before. And the first kind of idea that I had was American soccer. And I thought, okay, let's delve into this a bit more and kind of see what's been done about it. And obviously, you know, you get when you research American soccer books or history books on it, you, you get the kind of Ian Plenderish rock and roll soccer about the NASL, which was a fantastic book, more or less anything Grant Wall's ever written. But there wasn't anything going over, or at least there wasn't anything that I saw on a mainstream level and an availability level that covered the entire 
history of it. So um, moving on to the 70s and 80s then, of course, that's when you got the, the greats of Pele, George Best went over and played. Um, you had that period and then uh, to me as a sort of a casual observer of, of US soccer history, there seems to be a gap then until the 94 World Cup. What happened? Did it just be, lose popularity or what happened there? It kind of, the best way I think to, to describe it would, it burnt itself out. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it without putting it down. It burnt itself out simply because they tried too much too early. And yes, you know, we'll always remember players like Cruyff going there, Best going there, uh, Pele going there, Beckenbauer, Carlos Alberto, Johan Niskins, all these great players that are rightfully legends of the world game. They went over there to play. They, you know, in, in a harsh way of putting it, they got their payday before their career ended. You also had players like Trevor Francis that went over, over there, the Rodney Marsh over there that, you know, really enjoyed their time. But I think what they did was they put too much uh, effort into it initially without any long-term view. They kind of assumed if you put the biggest stars on a pitch, people will come and watch forever without realising, you know, Pele was getting on even then when he, when he joined the Cosmos. He, most people, when he left Santos, they had, they had two or three options that they thought he'd go down. Option A, they thought he'd go to Real Madrid. Option B, they thought he'd go to Juventus. Or option C, they thought he'd retire because he'd achieved everything he could in the game. But he went to New York. He wanted to grow the game. And you know, to an extent, he did. Because many, many years later, we're still talking about it. He's still recognised as the iconic player and the iconic voice of that era. But also, they didn't build for the future like you see clubs doing now. You know, An example would be LAFC and Atlanta United in MLS now. You can look at them and kind of go, OK, there is a clear path of what they want to achieve now, in five years, and in ten years' time. Whereas the NASL teams, they kind of just went, let's get Pele in now. Let's make the money we can now. Let's get all the attention now. Let's build for now, as opposed to looking and going, okay, we've got the attention now, we've got success now, but what's going to keep people coming? So, moving forward then into the 2000s, I think the next uh, sort of era of the stars coming in kicked off with David Beckham at LA Galaxy. What do you think the lessons were learnt when Beckham came in compared to when the stars came in in the 70s and 80s? I think the difference was people had lived through the Pele era and the Nazzle era. I keep calling it Nazzle. It just sounds quite fun to say. <laughs> but the NASL era was... It, you know, you see the parallels between Beckham and Pele, but I think the difference was Beckham, it, it was a time where Pete, there was more eyes that could watch it and there was more people that could watch it. We had an interest in MLS in this country. You, know, you, you saw people from Sky News and Sky Sports News and BBC go out there because, you know, from an English point of view, the perception was that's our golden boy going over to America to spread the word. The English are going over to spread the word. I think that's the message that a lot of people over here certainly felt. But also there was more there was more television, there was more stations, there was an ability to watch the games as well, which they didn't have across America or across the world in the 70s. So I think it was timing more than anything. Uh, you know, if Pele had had the media and the kind of eyes on him that Beckham did, maybe we're talking, we're having a different conversation. But, it's, you know, it's one of them impossible questions to answer. But I also think it was led by people who had lived through the NASL era who had seen the mistakes and understood what had gone wrong. And like you said, there was a gap between the end of the NASL and the 94 World Cup where they could kind of lick their wounds and go, right, we need to do this again. We need a top-level league in, in order to secure the 94 World Cup. So what do we need to do to 
make it sustainable, to make it long-lasting. And they, I think they've righted the wrongs of the NASL. They haven't got as, as many, you know, arguably as many stars as it had back in the back in the uh, golden era and the golden period. But they've stabilised it, and they they're on course to last longer than the NASL did. So uh, just to end, we're looking at the future now. Um, in 1994, the World Cup brought in the MLS and a new era of uh, US soccer. The, the World Cup's coming back to the states in 2026. What what? What do you think that can do this time round to to impact US soccer? I think it's the perfect place to have a World Cup. And I, I say that from a place of bias. I say that working in an industry of football where, you know, I'm hoping to, oh, I'm going to the World Cup and I'm going to Los Angeles. God, lucky me. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm for sure Vol- Volograd or wherever it was in Russia is a lovely place. But if you give me, uh, you know, Zenit St. Petersburg on one hand and, Los Angeles and another, it's going to be a slam dunk with one of the hands. So I think, you know, for everybody involved, it's going to be a, a, a good environment to, to play in, to report in, to visit as a fan. But I also think it gives the United States a, a place to kind of show how far they've come since 94. Um, it was more, it was the birth of soccer again in the United States in 94. It, you know, that team is still celebrated by thousands upon thousands of fans who grew up with that who you know, were introduced with that game, introduced into our game of, of soccer because of that World Cup. This is another opportunity to do that for the next generation and to build on culture that we were saying is currently developing. But I also think the inclusivity of Canada and America also shows that you know, it, it can be done to grow the game elsewhere. And having Canada on board as well to kind of grow the game is not a bad thing. It isn't just about the United States and, you know, Mexico has a culture. We see at the World Cup how great their fans are. They're always, they're always a bonus addition and a positive addition to any tournament or any fixture you see them playing. And I think the United States have got to look at that and they kind of go, right, we're not only going up against Canada, we're going up against Mexico in order to create the best atmosphere and to show how far they've come. I think it's the best possible thing for them because it, it again shows how far they've come since '94. It gives them another chance to create another generation of fans, and people have their opinions on whether the team itself, the U.S. Men's National Team, is any good or not. Personally, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. There is a lot of young players in the team that need to be, uh, you know, blooded into it. There's a lot of patience that is needed. Maybe 2022 is too early for this generation of players. I think 2026 might be the way that they go. Kind of. There's no reason to suggest that Tyler Adams or Weston McKenney or Christian Pulisic isn't, aren't going to be the new uh, Alexi Lalas of this generation, where you know in 20 years' time you can recognise these players, and that's what inspires the next generation of players. The same way that a Clint Dempsey or a Landon Donovan, or to, going further back, a Carlos Bocanegra did or an Alexi Lalas did. I think that's what galvanises it. Not only is it like the biggest sporting event in the world. But I also think it gives the United States and Mexico and Canada another chance to show what they can do and just to say to the rest of the world, look, you may not think that there is a culture here, but it's growing and it's grown to this in comparison to what you think it is. And I think it's, it's just, it could be the ultimate flex, to put it as the kids say now, you know, for US soccer and how they can do, how they can perform and how they can showcase and how they can host games. The MLS UK Show. So that's my chat with Tom Scholes. His book, Stateside Soccer, A Definitive History of Soccer in the United States, is available now in the UK on Amazon. It's available in North America 
from the 1st of October. Check it out. It's a great read. And obviously, it's very, as we've seen there, it's very informative. Hmm. Thanks very much to Tom for joining us. Um, just want to uh, play you something quickly. So MLS UK, as you know, is growing. Uh, we've teamed up with uh, podcasts, uh, accounts, fan groups, websites, all of the club-specific pages and podcasts uh, from the UK regarding MLS uh, are all working together under our MLS UK umbrella. If you check out the hashtag MLS UK, you can check out all of the content from all of the accounts and clubs. Um, And we're trying to make MLS bigger over here. We're doing our best. Um, Now, DC United Kingdom are doing an amazing job because the guys at DC United are hooking them up. They have had so many brilliant guests on the DC United Kingdom uh, podcast recently. Uh, Go and check them out because there's some uh, big name players that have uh, been on the podcast recently. And this week, the episode contains Frederick Briant, who is, of course, former NYCFC player, uh, moved to DC United. Uh, He chats about a lot of things about this season, uh, playoff hopes for this year. Uh, And interestingly, what he thinks about playing at Yankee Stadium, because, of course, he played at NYCFC. Here's what he had to say when asked what it's like to play on a baseball field. Uh, it was strange, very strange, <laughs> especially the, the first game. Like, you can see when you, you watch a game in, in New York City, um, there is a line from the, the baseball uh, uh, field. Uh, yeah, it's, it was very strange, the, the, the first game. Um, but after that, yeah, you don't have a choice, so... Yeah, but first is is very strange, and we 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 did well when uh, we we played at home with with New York because uh, it's a small field and uh, it's difficult to play there. So as we expect, uh, a home advantage, one hundred percent home advantage. Shouldn't be allowed, mate. Shouldn't be home allowed. run there for New York City. <laughs> That's a baseball term, I believe. <laughs> Maybe. I've been to America. I know my baseball. Yep. Knocked it out of the park there, mate. Well done. <laughs> Right, we've not done this for a while because every time we catch up, there's been tons of stuff happening. So we've just uh, we've not done a five things. This week is going to be a seven or eight things because okay. again, there's... strap yourself. I'm pulling up, pulling up a chat. Yep, sit down, get yourself a, a coffee or a cup of tea or a beer, anything to get you through this podcast. It's uh, five things you may have missed in MLS that maybe now seven or eight things since we were last with you. One. Uh, one this week, Orlando's Explorer Stadium. I've been there, you've been there, and the US national team will be there. They'll be hosting them a critical CONCACAF Nations League game uh, against Canada on November 15th. So that's exciting for Orlando and the people of Orlando. It's a big game, that, as well, US versus Canada. Um, Do you know, um, I went to uh, went to Orlando about uh, two years ago. It was in October. And uh, as I touched down, the USA were playing uh, in a World Cup qualifier, like literally as I landed. And uh, I was really gutted because I wanted to go along. But um, Well, you've got, uh, what, a month, six weeks to get your tickets to get to that one. Um, and in, a, in a, what can only be described as a petulant sort of brother kind of statement, and I'm saying this, you know, nicely. I still am an Atlanta fan. Atlanta have said, well, we would consider having an international friendly only if it works to our schedule. Uh, as on their terms. As much as I uh, like Atlanta, I think that is par- partly just, oh, well, Orlando got one. But we'd have it, <laughs> but we'd, we'd only do it when we want it. We don't want it. 
do. There's been a lot going on at SKC, none of it positive. They've, uh, <laughs> they ain't getting in the playoffs, a very poor season. Although, something I have seen is about the, the Super Draft next year. And uh, when you finish near the bottom, we know, especially you as an Orlando fan, that the positives in it is actually that you are, you are put to the front of a queue in terms of picks in the draft yeah. next season. And you get to pick Santiago Patino. We all know how well that's <laughs> gone for everyone, yeah. Uh, but for SKC fans, they don't even have that. SKC have actually traded their first two picks in the draft, <laughs> so they won't get uh, a pick till number three. They actually they traded the first pick, and that was for Nemeth from uh, New England Revolution. Yeah, They had a second pick, which they traded to the Vancouver Whitecaps in the deal that brought uh, Hurtado yeah. to K- SKC. They did get it back because Colorado traded their second pick in exchange for uh, goalkeeper Dicastra. Mm-hmm. However, SKCs then sent it back to Colorado when they brought Benny Fairhaver to yeah. uh, SKC. So they don't now get a pick until the third round. Um, so I'm sure with SKC's farm, they will be uh, trying to trade to get back up in the, the picks. I'm not entirely against that, though. I don't know. I feel like the players they've got are better than who they could have traded for. I don't know who's going to be in the draft, but mm, they've got proven players there rather yeah. than... I, well, we always say the Champions League, how much does it affect you? And I think it really has affected SKC this yeah, year. Yeah. They went the furthest, obviously got thrashed. But um, yeah, it's, they've, they've just had a nightmare season. I think everyone in uh, Kansas City just wants uh, wants the, uh, the season to be over with. Three. FC Cincinnati have got a record this season. Are they still on? They are. Well, they, they've got the record. Well, they've tied the record for the most goals conceded in a state this season. <laughs> I knew where this was going. Unfortunately for Orlando, uh, they're now not on their own in that. 74 goals have conceded this season. Orlando had the record uh, from last year when they conceded 74 goals. However, we all thought that that would be broken last weekend and Cincinnati got their first yeah. ever nil-nil draw in MLS. <laughs> so we go on to uh, the next game. But uh, well done, FC Cincinnati? No, no. No, not a well done. It wasn't certainly wasn't well done when it was Orlando last year. You couldn't <laughs> shut up about it. So, uh, so some clean sheets, please, FC Cincinnati. So Orlando still have a, a hold on that record. Orlando uh, currently holding the record, interestingly, for um, biggest improvement in goals conceded. Oh, well, that's good. That's so nice. not only have they shifted the record onto Cincinnati, who are probably going to concede another goal yeah. in the next few games, they've managed to claim an actual good record. <laughs> um, where are we at? Four? Four. Five? Four. Four. Right, not uh, not very positive news. This Brent Kalman uh, of uh, Minnesota United has been uh, banned for 10 games due to substance abuse violation. Mm. Uh, there's been some... This has been in the news in MLS recently because, of course, as well, uh, Amanda Diamande uh, of yeah. LAFC, he's voluntarily entered the MLS substance abuse and behavioural health uh, programme. So, uh, not good news on that front. Um, I, I, I think Diamande voluntarily entering it will mean that he probably, I don't know, probably won't play for the rest of the season, especially when it's not the next few games. Yeah. Carmen will miss uh, Minnesota's remainder of their games, their playoff games, and, of course, a few games next season as well. Five. Jack Rodwell, the forgotten man oh. of English football, unless you've watched that Sunderland documentary on Netflix. He should be forgotten. Uh, he's been on trial at New England Revolution. I don't like this. This is For me, this is first half of the season, New England. I don't like that. 
Um, they deserve better than Jack Rodwell. You could probably say we do, but I mean, Jack Rodwell, he, he was a good player for, where was he? It was at Everton and then Man City, mm. wasn't he? So he was, he was all right for Everton. Got his move, didn't really play much. Then got his move to Sunderland. Again, didn't play much, but that was didn't more he, his thing. Didn't they never win when he was playing or something, Sunderland? Uh, I don't think they won when a lot of their players were playing, to be honest. But uh, I'm going to look into this because I'm sure... Okay, well, I'll carry on talking. Jack uh, so Rodwell Jack Rodwell has recently, <laughs> has recently been at Blackburn Rovers as well, but he's now trial. He's on trial at New England Revolution, along with Alex Butner, who was at Manchester United, a fullback. if you remember him? Okay, Jack Rodwell. Yeah. 1,241 days, three and a half years, 40 months, 177 weeks. Um, that's how long he went at Sunderland without them winning. Wow. Um, well, old New England Revolution, I'd probably say that would carry on, but new in New England Revolution... I think he'll be fine. I think they'll get wins if they sign him. But for me, I think Jack Rodwell, I think it'll be a good signing for New England Revolution in the midfield. Um, I think it'll be good for him. He needs a change. I think his time in England, he's only 28 years old, you know, but I think his time in England is is, is over. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good for him to get that change. Um, right, to save your voice, Elliot, I'll just run through a couple more things. Six, uh, seven, seven. Diego Valeri could reportedly uh, leave Portland Timbers in 2020 as contract negotiations stall. Uh, that'd be a big loss for Portland Timbers. Mm. And finally, Mike Petkey. We thought we'd heard the last of him, but no. He's back. The controversial former manager of Rail Salt Lake has filed a lawsuit against the club alleging a breach of contract. $700,000 he's uh, suing them for. He wants the remainder of his contract, which is actually just under seven hundred grand. Um, and he was obviously uh, he was let go earlier in the season. For for his what was it was it with a referee or some comments he made to a referee? Is that uh, right? Yeah, pretend I don't want to get us, don't want to get us in trouble. Potentially offensive. Let's just say that he got let go from his post and now he wants his money from RSL. But uh, that's for the courts to decide. And that is a roundup of some of the stuff you may have missed from MLS since we were last with you. Okay, just one thing left. Well, two things left to do. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt. MLS UK show. I'm aware that this has been a long catch-up for us, so we need to rattle through these predictions. I think we uh, put a time limit on it. We just hammer them, okay? Okay, you're winning 8-4 in the predictions league, Woo! so it will go into the playoffs. Yeah! Um, I won last year, so you're getting your own back this year. Uh, right, as we've said, we, there are some matches being played tonight. We record this on Wednesday. We'll do the predictions for the weekend, but the matches tonight are... New York City versus Atlanta United. Big game. Toronto versus Montreal Impact. That's in the Canadian Championship final. Montreal winning 1-0 after the first leg. Minnesota versus SKC. Big game. That's actually not a big game. <laughs> uh, RSL versus LA Galaxy, which is a bigger game uh, for the playoffs. LA and LAFC. Dynamo, not a big game. Uh, well, LAFC can clinch the Supporters' Shield if uh, results go their way. Portland Timbers versus New England Revolution. Huge. That's a cross-conference big game for the playoffs. And San Jose versus Philadelphia Union at 4am. Big. Right. On to the weekend. All games are on Sunday. Sunday afternoon in the UK, in the US and 10 o'clock in the UK. Chicago Fire versus Toronto FC. Chicago um, could be all but out of the playoff picture if New England win tonight. How do you think that's going to go, Elliot? Toronto win 1-0. I think 
nil to Chicago Fire. Cincinnati versus Orlando in the game that doesn't affect anything in Although life. Although Orlando could score the goal. Yeah. That yeah. breaks the record. Chris Mueller. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, now the pressure's off. I'm going 3-0 Orlando. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it would be typical for Orlando to win this one. Mm. It was typical for him to lose against Mind Houston. You, it's, give us some credit. It's Cincinnati, man. Yeah, but it would be typical for you to win your, ne- your remaining games and, and miss out. But I agree. I think 2-0 Orlando. Columbus Crew versus Philadelphia Union. Columbus not technically out of it yet. Uh, I think that's a Philly win, though. Yeah, I I'm think, going 2-0. I think it'll be a draw, actually. I think it'll be 1-1. Montreal versus Atlanta United. It's a must, must win for Montreal. Uh, I don't think they will. I'm going... Th- oh, no, Joseph, potentially. I'm going 2-1 Atlanta United. I think... Uh... I think Atlanta may struggle in the next few games without Joseph and then hopefully get back to the winning ways for the playoffs. So I'm going to say I'm going to say 3-1 to Montreal. Okay, New England Revolution versus NYC FC who are looking to win the East. Uh, I'm going draw 2 all. Um yeah, I actually think NYC might win tonight, so I think this might become a, a bit of a nothing game for them in the end, but I think uh, I think 1-1. I think it'll be draw. Okay, New York Red Bulls versus DC United is the final game in the East on Sunday. I am going one all. Uh, I think Red Bulls will win this. I think they'll win it 3-1. Okay, uh, on to the West, which is technically Monday morning for us here in the UK, a little bit later in uh, the evening in the States. First game, Colorado versus FC Dallas. Um, what a tough one to call. I think... I- FC Dallas will win just because they've got something on it. FC Dallas win 3 2. Um, Colorado are on it at the minute. I'm going 1 0. Colorado. Uh, LA Galaxy versus Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, Galaxy got to win their games or else they'll miss out again. I think they will. Zlatan will score a couple. It'll be 3 0. I was going 3 0 as well. Minnesota United versus LAFC. LAFC could be the Supporters' Shield champions at this point. So uh, this game means nothing to them. Minnesota are fighting for places in the playoffs. I think it'll be... I think 1-1. In style, 4-1 LAFC. RSL versus Houston Dynamo. RSL 2, Houston Dynamo 0. Mm, Houston fresh off their win against Orlando. Um... RSL win, yeah, I think it'll be 4-2. San Jose versus Seattle Sounders. Uh, big game because Seattle is, is still not clinched. No. They will do, but they're still not clinched. They're looking for second place in that conference. Uh, I think this will be... You know what? I'm sorry to do this. I know, I'm doing it as well. Are you going 0-0? No, no, I was going to go San Jose. Oh, I'm going 0-0. I'm going San Jose uh, 2-1 win. couple of sendings off. SKC versus Portland Timbers. Uh, you know what? I'm going SKC. This would be typical of SKC's season if when it's over and done with, they then start winning. So I'm going to go 2-1 SKC. You're full Portland, 2-0. Uh, right, so that's what's happening uh, this weekend. Okay, I need to say as well, just before we go, recently we went 96 games without a nil-nil in MLS, running back to July 27th, I think. We posted about it because Seattle and FC <laughs> Dallas drew nil-nil in the week. It. And, uh, yeah, Ryan, who listens to the show, he, he messaged us saying you've cursed it. And then, what were they, four nil-nil draws yeah. of the weekend? 
Unbelievable. You did the nil-nil dance. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully we can get back to, to scoring goals. Um, and speaking of scoring goals, I didn't mention this before, but I feel it does need a mention. Dom Dwyer. I've seen Dom Dwyer score something that not many people have seen. See, I haven't. You've never... And I, I've seen him score when he... And then he scored again at the weekend, so he's on a roll. So it's ever since I've gone to watch Orlando. Chris Muley didn't get on. Obviously, I'm gutted about that. But Dom well, Dwyer Wasn't in the scored. squad, was he? No. Didn't make the squad. I wanted a picture with him and everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've seen a nanny goal. Two yeah. nanny goals. And, and a Dom, Dwyer goal. Yeah. Mate, that's, that's up there, to be fair. I couldn't believe it. I've it, never seen a nanny goal, so I've not been this season. Rarer than a Charvizard shiny Pokemon card. Dom Dwyer goal, um, and I saw it. Okay, before we go, did you get our game with the changing name player? I'll give you a little recap. They started their career, Auxerre in France, 2004 to 2007. They moved to the Premier League in 2007 and played at their first Premier League team for seven years. Then they moved to an even bigger Premier League team, for three years, they won the FA Cup and the League Cup, and they moved to MLS in 2018 and are still playing now. They've got a game tonight. Henry, go on. Give me some guesses. Throw some names out there. Let's see if we can get you to get it. Right, I'm going to start with the Premier League team. So I know Arsenal was one. Was Arsenal the first one or the second one they played at? First. First. So they played at Arsenal for seven years. Yep. Did they then move to Chelsea? No. Manchester City? Yes. So they moved to Manchester City for three years. Yep. And then moved to MLS. Yep. And they're playing are they still playing at the same team they joined? Yep. What position did he play? Specifically? Yeah. Right back. Right back. Do you want a clue? Yes. What nationality did I say they were? French. Right. So where do you think they've gone in MLS? Montreal. Yeah. So who is it? Gail Clichy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, back with- <laughs> But no, you're Bakri Sanya. Is it Bakri Sanya? It's Sanya, isn't it? Gail Clichy. That well-known one too. <laughs> is it Bakri Sanya? Yes. I, the thing is, I, I didn't know he played at Manchester City. For some reason, that's just missed. So I was like, I can only think of one player, but I don't think... Gail Clichy. Famously playing in Toronto tonight and the Canadian <laughs> Championship. My thoughts behind that are, I did not know that... Sanya played for Manchester City. For whatever reason, I've just not, that's not stayed in my brain. Wow. So the only player I could think of at uh, fullback. It was recent as well. It was like 2014 to 2017. So yeah. when I knew, when I first met you, he'd just moved to Man City. And he was there for the, half the time I've known you, he's played at Man City. Wow. I forgot about that. And then the only player at fullback I thought of was Gail Cleish. And I was like, this is embarrassing because I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know he played in MLS. Um, so, all well, right. that went well. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you got it and you didn't guess a left back that's never played in MLS <laughs> instead of a right back. Uh, uh, I've been away for too long. <laughs> thank you very much for listening to this uh, ridiculously long bumper <laughs> edition of the MLS UK show. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with the final round of regular season fixtures. Decision Day podcast. Can't wait. Yes. Right, thanks for listening. We'll catch you again. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.